Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is episode 11 of Flixwatcher Podcast. I'm Helen. And I'm Kobe. On this episode of the Flixwatcher Podcast, we're going to be talking about Woman in Black, the post Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe. I was going to say a classic, but I'm not sure. We'll leave. It's not really a classic. We'll leave that for you to decide. On the show, we're featuring Felix and Tom from Wooden Overcoats, and we recommend you go and see them. Come find us on Twitter. Tweet to us. Agree with us? Disagree? We're at FlixWatcherPod. The website FlixWatcher.tv has full listings of each episode and subscribe and review us on iTunes. As always, films reviewed in this podcast were available to stream on Netflix UK at the time of recording. There may be bad language and there may be spoilers. You have been warned. Welcome to this edition of Flix Watcher Podcast and today we are joined by Tom and Felix. If you want to say hello and uh, introduce yourselves and tell us what podcast you're involved with. Hello, I'm Tom. And I'm Felix, hello. And we're involved in Wooden Overcoats, the podcast sitcom about two rival funeral directors. I can confirm that. (laughs) And the film we're talking about today, guys, is Women in Black. So who chose Women in Black and can you give us a, a brief rundown of what happens in it? I chose Women in Black... Why? Why? Why did I choose Woman in Black? I, I was inspired to choose Woman in Black by uh, another guy involved in our podcast, David. He's the creator, is he? He is the creator, the head writer mm-hmm. on the whole thing, and a big fan of this world of gothic horror and all, all the kind of the things that Mark Gatiss has made his current exactly. career on. Yes. <laughs> Hammer horror, the classics. Yeah. Most. So, yeah. David suggested that I might enjoy it. So you've not seen it before? I have seen it before, but I was going to originally see it with David and then through a slightly convoluted set of circumstances, I ended up watching it with Tom. Mm. But I'm sure David will enjoy it at some point. I hadn't seen it for a while, though, so I didn't remember it very well. Sure. I remembered the ending. <laughs> well, we're not going to jump to that, but we, we, I mean, we do give away spoilers. Yes, so okay. uh, we are. Great, so the ending. Is- <laughs> oh, yeah. Daniel Radcliffe is in it. So give us what happens in The Woman in Black. Daniel Radcliffe is, I mean, it, it, it's, it's the opening of Dracula in that Daniel Radcliffe is miscellaneous legal, well, it's Edwardian in this case instead of Victorian, but it, it's sort of 1900s and... He is sent to Yorkshire to, what's he doing? He's sort of inventoring and getting ready a house out, for sale. We can quite work out what he's doing. Someone um, at one point goes, well, you won't find a local buyer. 
And you think, oh, then he's trying to sell the house. So we assume he's looking for a deed. So there for is... some reason, he has to go looking around at the scariest corners of the scary house. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't ultimately that clear, but his, his job was on the line. His job is to get Daniel Radcliffe into a creepy house. Yeah. <laughs> and he does that with a plomb. A plomb, yeah, gusto. He goes through... We noticed two trains. Yes, uh, there, there are two change. trains to get there. There's a change. Yeah. We yeah, because there's the comfortable train and there's a hard there's one. one and then there's a nice individual train. storytelling, isn't yeah. it? It's like we're getting more remote and more rubbish yeah. as you go. <laughs> but uh, as Tom pointed out to me while we were watching it, it's a very nicely designed, mm. uncomfortable train that's got very nice fixtures around the windows. Lovely woodwork. It's a very good woodwork. Mm. A lot of character. Yeah, that's all through the film as well, and it <laughs> a lot of character. A lot of character. Many characters. Well, mainly <laughs> one character. Two if you count the woman in black. Spoilers. But it, it's. It, well, when the, we were watching it, and when the Hammer horror logo sort of came up, Felix went, oh, good. And you sort of know what that means. You know means. that means. It, yeah, because it does have that strange sense of, you've said it felt very much like a 70s horror, but with modern cameras, which was a bit strange. Yeah, it's a little odd. It's very slow-paced. There's not a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of long bits of Daniel Radcliffe, sort of shots of his face, with enough blank space over his shoulder for something to appear over his yeah, shoulder. Yes. Yeah. They're a big fan of that shot. Mm. I'll d- tell you what, though. Can I cross-reference a different film? Yes, you can do, of course. Thank you very much. <laughs> the, I, d- I wasn't that fond of Drag Me to Hell. And one reason I wasn't that fond of that is because every shot is framed like that. Every shot is framed in a way As if something's something, going to come over the shoulder. Yeah, in yeah. the car window, in the bathroom mirror, like every single... And you, the bath, you get fatigue after a while just going, I mean, something's either going to turn up or it isn't. But this was way better paced, The Woman in Black, I thought. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, it's a fair point. When I was watching this, I was I was thinking of the Benicio, not Benicio del Toro, Guillermo del Toro, yes. <laughs> Crimson Peak. Because I'm not I'm not that I'm not that big a horror fan. I don't I don't tend to draw to myself to these kind of films. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason for it. But and that's probably why this is the first time I've seen Woman in Black. So thank you very much for for suggesting it. You're welcome. But the, <laughs> but Woman in, the Crimson Peak had really cool had a similar kind of uh, setup where. This, there's a lonely house on the island stroke hill there's some creepy shit going on there mm-hmm. and you're trying to work out what is the kind of truth behind it and i don't know here i think obviously game of the is is a craftsman it does everything it does is beautiful whether you like it or not ultimately it looks it looks amazing yeah i wasn't so drawn into to woman in black as it was to um crimson peak but i guess i watched crimson peak in the cinema what's this at home on my mm. on my small screen tv so that might be part of the reason why it didn't play out could be. So you, you'd seen it before, Felix, you said on... Was it on I've seen it before and uh, no, I, I think I saw it on DVD and I've seen the stage version yeah. as well. Well, that's an interesting... Never read the book. That's an interesting angle. I mean, how we were talking, Helen and I were yeah. talking about how Which, it... Well, how long was the stage... Was the stage after this film or has the stage been going a lot longer? stage has been going for years. Yeah, that's what I thought. The film came out in 2012. That, yeah. I think I saw the stage version around about 2010, 2011. Yeah. So I was... Yeah, yeah. fairly... Not not too long time between the two, and I don't remember the stage version well enough to tell you exactly whether the plot changes, but it's done in a very different way. There's have you seen stage version? I haven't no, but I I saw this at the cinema when it came out, and sort of my overall kind of feeling and what I've kind of taken from it is it it feels very stagey and in, in yeah. sort of the set design and kind of the feel. There's a lot of attention to detail and kind of making use of not really much happening mm-hmm. with you know with obviously atmosphere and 
and noises and things like that. So um, that's yeah. kind of what I got from it originally, but I haven't seen the stage version. No. Well, one thing that I remember from the stage version is there's a lot more humour in it. I mean, oh, okay. the, oh, really? this doesn't crack a no. joke. And there's <laughs> not really, there's no humour. There's a lot of physical humour because there's... So the stage version is, is brilliant and it's, it's a real kind of actor's test because there's only two roles in it who in my head, are called The Younger Man and The Older Man. I don't know if that's the official script, but that's how I've always referred to them, and people have referred to them that, that I know. And in this one, they're called Kieran Hines yeah. and Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> so Daniel Radcliffe is The Younger Man, and he narrates the whole thing, which they obviously completely pull out for the film, which is a, a lot of silences, but it's him saying, I'm a lawyer. These are the things that happened to me. Hello, person. And then... The older man plays every other part. Oh, right. Does he, he play the woman across, in black as well? Apart from the woman in black. Okay. Yeah. Woman in black is uncredited. And you never know who plays her. But all of the people that he meets, it's... You notice it in the film that he goes from literally old man to old man. I see old, like, late middle-aged to oh, old man. Yes. Because that is kind of how the stage it's version the is innkeeper and yeah. yeah yeah and they're always just one person on their own so they play a lot with moving the old man part his physicality between there's a, a lovely moment early on in the stage version where you realize he's going to do this he takes a lot of time putting on a pair of glasses to become i think the young man's boss back in london right yeah i, I really remember that and i remember the rocking chair from the stage version as well. That kind of really Everyone sticks in my that. mind. Yeah, which obviously they bring back in the film. Yeah, which is lovely. It was it was great. It was proper scary. Like uh, there were lots of uh, some of it was jump scares, but there was also a lot of really good like ominous. Where both of us are looking at each other, going, "Oh no, oh no!" <laughs> and it's just the steady, steady inevitability of something's coming any second now. Something's going to turn up. Oh no! And it held those silences really nicely. I thought for a film horror rather than a stage one, yeah. it was really good. <laughs> I wasn't like I say I'm not I'm not a big horror fan, but I wasn't I didn't feel scared by it. Oh really? There, there's some quite creepy scenes in there, mm, mm. like when he's trying to bait the woman in black in the room, yeah, mm. and trying to get the rocket. I know he sets off all the toys going, and he's yep. kind of standing waiting for, and that corridor goes dark, and you can see her in the in the distance, and she comes closer, and I thought that's quite an effective scene. And another scene I thought was quite impactful was where the he goes in to try and save the girl in the basement, mm. and there's a fire going on. And she stood there with a paraffin lamp and looks across and there's a woman in black there. And mm -hmm. kind of, that's when it all kind of comes together and then she throws a paraffin lamp on there. Mm. But like I say, like Thomas said, I think a lot of them were kind of jump scares. It's just quiet, quietness and then loud noise. And yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. kind of threw you up in the air mm. rather than the... I thought the score was a bit boring, actually, come to mention it. It, yeah. was, it was so first route, like, sort of scary strings. That goes quiet for a bit. And then percussion and scare <laughs> and, and that was the only thing that let me down i thought on, on a basic level but it reminded me a lot of um the innocence or the haunting from the 1960s and that sort of thing where there, i mean then there was no money so yeah. and no effects really technology <laughs> and so the haunting is is an amazing film with a very the, the original you should point out and not, oh, the, the, and not the remake not the one with who's in it is it owen wilson owen, oh, wow. owen, owen yeah. wilson's in a horror yeah. They can't yeah, take yeah, that seriously, yeah. can they? No, I don't, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, no I don't even know if it, because it's, I think it's based on the same story as so many other films, like The Haunting at Hill House or Hell House, and it's got a million different names, but The Haunting. The plot's about a, a psychologist who invites a bunch of people who've exhibited paranormal abilities, sort of ESP and things, into a haunted house, hoping that they'll be more sensitive to ghosts. 
and then he'll be able to prove that ghosts exist because finally these psychics have drawn them out somehow. And they all go mad. It's a horrible nightmare. But it's brilliant because there's nothing. There's, there's, I don't think you ever even see, spoilers, but I don't think you ever see anything actually supernatural on screen. Mm. It's just suggestion and shadows and things not quite seen in the corner of your eye. And there's one bit which is terrifying, which is just the light on a sort of crinkled up wallpaper looking like a face. And it's so chilling. And the biggest scare of the movie is a door is open that wasn't open before. <laughs> and there's a similar bit in, in Woman in Black, actually, where there's, you know, there's the whole, ah, oh, that sealed up room that's never been opened mm-hmm. as long as anyone can remember. Yeah. And then just turn the corner and it's just it's sitting like open. Sit in the jar. It's terrifying, yeah. That, that, I thought it captured some of those moments really well. So you think because of, I mean, the, lack, the lack of score you're saying there maybe didn't give the same atmosphere as the haunting? Mm. Maybe not. It's, um, it was just a bit predictable really I, I, I can't remember much about the score from The Haunting but really? I almost forgive it because it's from the 60s well it's, it's Robert Wise as well is it yes. ah nice yeah so it's, it's, it's part of the era there's like the cat people as well all around yeah. that kind of era excellent horror I'm, I'm quite a big horror fan so didn't really enjoy this that much I remember I saw it in the cinema and had kind of a little bit of a snooze halfway through yeah. <laughs> but what I do remember is obviously when it came out because obviously it starred Daniel Radcliffe obviously a very young fan base and kind of um, when it came out there was a lot of kind of hysteria in cinemas yeah. and a lot of people did genuinely find it absolutely terrifying because they were about 10 years old right mm. and this is their horror film it's I was, for them. yeah, yeah. i was reading it. about this there were uh, a lot of complaints after it because it got a 12a rating yeah. because it's daniel radcliffe and i think the sequel got upgraded to a 15 and they cut quite a lot of the things that would have made it a 15 officially but I, I suppose it's very difficult to rate something on creepiness yeah on how much it's going to really mm. shit you up basically <laughs> in a long term capacity well, I don't know I mean it's the, the, the only thing times it let itself down I think is when it got into that more modern Hollywood jump scares like I did think that you know distant shots of the woman in black and some of the ways they do those kind of classic like predictable horror movie scares there's a bit with the condensation of the hand on the window yeah <laughs> little images like that and I thought that's really nice and it probably lifted from a million other films that have done that in the past but it was the first time I'd seen a few of those devices used and I thought that was pretty neat I mean it's basically a haunted house ride it's a ghost train you go here come the ghosts and then <laughs> they appear in different ways at different times I think what, the one thing I want to talk about, I mean, going back to the Daniel Radcliffe thing, do you think he was convincing in the role of an estranged or widower who's got to take care of his son and his job's on the line and him being the one, him being the right person to come and check out this house? I do. You think, don't you, 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 you I, think you play that role all right? Yeah, I like Daniel Radcliffe. Sorry, that's me, that's me leading the question there. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it, it's always like you're defending him there. With, <laughs> I like Daniel Radcliffe. I do like no, Daniel Radcliffe. No, I think he's great, but I'm not sure. For me, I don't think he was the... He's, he's maybe 18 in this in this role, and he's playing it. I think he's a bit older, isn't he? I just said plays in early 20s. He's young. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when, when, it, when you first hear the, the son go, Dad, I went, nah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what I mean. He's, he's, a four, he's got a four-year-old son. Yeah. Yeah, but we're Edwardian, like Victorian. It's... I guess that's the kind of... Old yeah. by it's, those times. You'd have three or four kids and a mortgage by then. Uh, yeah. In those days. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> he, we were talking about... Um, Poor old Daniel Radcliffe has, has kind of developed this career of just being put through the ringer. You can think of everything that he's put through as Harry. Then he's got this. <laughs> then his most recent one Swiss is Army Man. being a corpse. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> Before that, he was a Nazi. 
Oh, no, is it playing a Nazi What's undercover? It? Oh, yeah, is, is he a British fascist or something? Yeah, yeah. I've not seen that. Yeah, that looks good, though. Um, what is it? I think Anthropoid, I think it's called. Anthropoid. Or yeah. something. It's uh, in Imperium. Imperium, yes, yeah. So, yeah. It's a sort of British Empire meditation. That's right, yeah. yeah. And it's, it looks, I mean, I feel like toughening him up is a mistake. <laughs> That's not the path that Daniel Radcliffe's going to take. But he's really nice and sort of washed out and troubled yeah. looking. Yeah. I didn't feel that he changed much across the course of the film. And after seeing, you know, a real ghost, you think you might actually develop slightly more. You might become slightly more shocked or traumatised but I felt he sort of started at I'm pretty traumatised about my dead wife and then ended at I'm still pretty traumatised about my, my dead wife <laughs> and that was kind of yeah. the journey but he was he's good at being knocked about yeah and filmmakers love knocking him about mm. for me he, he does take on really interesting choices and obviously he's done quite well to kind of shake off the child actor thing and you know has made some interesting choices but I never really feel as though he completely kind of pushes himself or really embodies that role he's still kind of he does it quite well mm. and he doesn't do it badly but doesn't it, it doesn't quite feel you know he, he doesn't kind of go to christian bale lengths of kind of really <laughs> do, getting into that role and, and yeah, becoming right. something mm. other than kind of he's still kind of daniel radcliffe I picked being up, nice and kind yeah. of giving it a good go yes. I, I picked up a bit of modern speak coming from him so the, the way he was talking there's that slightly that kind of like london rp voice was coming out which um you get occasionally these days but that was also slightly in the writing like it's written very modern for uh it's such setting. a period piece yeah there was a, there was a moment wasn't there where he wait, what was he speaking to it, it's okay said? though no, 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 no. There is, though. He there says. is, though. He says, no one lived in that house for 20 years. And it's like, oh, no, there, there is, though. And you go, no, he's not, he's not a schoolboy in 1999. Yeah, but like, no, but, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But it was, I quite enjoyed some of that stuff in a way. It really feels like, you know how you sort of get Van Helsing wearing bell bottoms in a 70s Hammer movie? Because it's like, we're going to do it, period, but we'll also make it cool and save a bit of money. And it feels like the sort of 2012 version of that. Like, we're going to sort of go period accurate, but also just... I like the rest of the village, though, as well. Yeah. Mm. I thought that was uh, some really nice casting there. There's oh, yeah. a, a real kind of broad sweep of different characters coming out. It was nice sort of seeing them all together. Mm. You only ever saw them together at times of great tragedy because yeah. of the number of children that died. It gets through children. It gets film. through children yeah, at really a cracking rate. <laughs> Let's talk about that because... It wasn't scary, but this was. This is a creepy story, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. And the woman in black is responsible for the deaths of. She's a. She's a of many yeah, children. Of many children. She's horrible. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I think we're all agreed on that point. <laughs> yeah, but it is. I do like that because I assumed that it would be knowing what I knew about the stage show, which is that it's very minimalist, very based around the sort of yeah. technical spectacle of how do we pull off these illusions with a bare stage and mm. and all that. I assumed it would be very very minimal, and we wouldn't get much backstory having not seen the stage play or, or, or read the book originally. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm being familiar with all those things like Whistle and I'll Come to You, which has to be like one of my all-time favourites, uh, where you learn nothing about mm. what the spirit is. I thought it would be the same thing, where it's just like, oh, well, you know, there's a mystery about what happened at this time and they'll leave it there. But then the actual backstory, I found you had a lot of sympathy. But then I quite liked it at the end where you're sort of given the chance that maybe some kindness being shown to the spirit will calm her down. Yeah. And it just doesn't. It's just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, we're doing everything we can to appease you. I don't care. That's, that's actually really fun. not funny. But you went... It's sort of funny. 
he dove into that bog, didn't he? He dove into the marshes. Mm. Yeah. Which is quite a horrible, as an actor, I would have thought that was quite a horrible scene. To I was film, thinking actually. that. Mm. In full period dress as well, in the it. tweeds. I don't know. It would also be heated kind of or something. Yeah. Well, it was it was a foggy night, so maybe they just you know, I bet you they steam. enjoyed that. I bet you there was a lot of laughing, a lot of <laughs> uh, Daniel covered in mud. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they saying. Too. Yeah, <laughs> or oh, muddy Radcliffe. Covered in mud. It's the song, isn't it? It's yeah. Chas and Dave. Yeah. And picking up the corpse of a dead. Yeah, picking up the corpse of a yeah. little dead boy. Yeah, yeah. They, I, I loved the what was the marsh, the swamp, not swamp because it was Yorkshire and they'd have swamps. The, the marsh and the kind of texture of it I thought was brilliant yeah the cinematography of the sort of area as mm. well like before you get into the oh, sort of remote pass and all that it was the beautifully shot landscape is gorgeous, like, yeah. generally across the board it's a really beautifully shot film I mm. thought it's, it's quite tasteful in a way that it's got that sort of quite schlocky style and again it's very Hammer Horror as well yeah. mm. but it, it's there are ways you could do it far more like this is creepy lots of Dutch angles and stuff and they sort of avoid that and just go for lots of still shots of a you know a hallway or a house and then you just see a thing move and you go oh, yeah. yeah i mean we're looking at we're looking at a, a collage of pictures there. there's mm. one in the in the bottom left hand corner which is the shadowy figure of the ghosts yeah. peering over dan radcliffe's yeah face i mean i i kind of look at that now and you know i've i say i'm a big horror fan i'm I, sort of comparing this to something like sinister and this kind of doesn't really kind of Compare. cut the level of you know, kind of horror and... I've not seen Sinister yet. I fancy the look of it. That's the VHS tapes one. Yeah, with Ethan Hawke. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen the sequels to it, but I did enjoy that very much. Obviously, a completely different film, not the one we're talking about now. Mm. And that does... Kind of a lot of things that this this does reasonably well. I I don't know. I think with this, it's just a little bit too slow for me. I think maybe Mm. I'm more kind of used to the the onslaught of uh, death. Blood, gore. Do you think you casting Daniel Radcliffe held it back in that way because you had the expectation of the audience? No, I mean, I, I think he's fine. I, I don't know who I would have wanted to see there and in his place or what might have done it better. I just I just kind of feel because it's come from a book and then it was a stage thing and mm. then it's gone to a film, it's not quite made the transition. And in sort of a comparison to this in another way is, is The Others, which mm. is kind of very similar in the in the way that it kind of sets everything up the tension and uh, like the horror there's not actually any real horror it's more kind of you know atmosphere spirits and i think that did it a lot better than this mm-hmm. for me personally for me the uh, something like uh, with the sort of spooky kids vibe and again going back to Guillermo del Toro uh, who didn't make it but he produced the orphanage which i thought was a fantastic job of a similar premise i mean it's the same kind of it's yeah. a haunted house film you know and it's it's there's some unquiet thing here and we're not sure where it's come from or what it wants and it's it's still that thing of here's your environment get used to this environment you're now going to see it sort of warped and twisted around this uh, these terrible events and these revengeful actions over the course of the movie which is that's a classic isn't it yeah, just thinking, just back to Guillermo del Toro. Have you mm. seen The Devil's Backbone? I have, I love it so much. Again, there's that, that's another kind of film that's very, not really what happens, nope. but it's, yeah, that's, like that, what, sort of comparing things in my head, it's sort of, it has something about it that you just quite, can't quite put your finger on, but it's very magical and, again, child performances and nothing really happened. There's not really any real horror, but it's very, very beautiful. And I just feel that this quite, hit those levels of uh, no, it magicness. What's great about The Devil's Backbone as well is you get this sense that it's Del Toro trying to sort of paint a picture of Spain 
just ravaged mm. and totally torn in upon itself. So there's this uneasiness, like he's saying, this is the whole, the whole country's like haunted by war. And it's, it's just beautifully done to then turn that into a conventional ghost story, but still with that sense of kind of isolation and lawlessness that of course in our Brexit Britain, we're all now heading for. So uh, yeah, get, watch the Devil's Backbone and get ready for, for yeah. what's about to happen. I think we need to move on to the scores, guys. To... Yeah, but not talking about films we're not oh, yeah. actually reviewing. And yeah, sorry. That's... Maybe that's, that's a testament to what we think about this film if we're talking about <laughs> well, we moved on. Yeah. other ones that we have preferred watching. So the first... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Score in the Matrix is the recommendability score. Out of five, these are all out of five. Uh-huh. How much out of five would you recommend this to other people? I think it de- horror is such a splitter. Mm. Like I'm like you. I'm not really a horror person. But for someone like me who doesn't love a horror film, this was quite a good entry level one. I'd have thought so. <laughs> entry level horror. Yeah, I'd say it's maybe... mild, mild terror. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mild peril. Yeah, I'd give it a three, three and a half. Yeah. 3.5 recommend Tom you're going to point fives now I am you can put whatever we're on a spreadsheet here guys we can put whatever you I'm want I'm going to three decimal points oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'll 3DP um, Crowley I mean I, I think that assuming that this were me recommending the film to another me some hypothetical other me that existed I would say four because okay. I think it's very pretty and um, yeah as someone who, who prefer, like, I really like the sad ghost stories, like the less scary, but just sad ghost stories <laughs> full of tragedy, then that's that's what I'm going for. So I'd say four. Helen? I'm going to give it a two. Oh. Sorry. Mm. Um, Don't need to apologise, that's you. I've, I've got a whole list of other films that I'd recommend before this. I mean, and we're going to go through them all now. If, 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 you're, if, you're, <laughs> if you're a Daniel Radcliffe fan and you haven't seen this, then obviously yeah, you need to see it because you know, he's all right in it and it is something different that he's given a go at. But yeah, I, other than recommending maybe Kobe to see it and he's seen it now, I wouldn't really recommend <laughs> it to anyone else really that I know. I'm going to give it a 2.5. Dead in the middle. Yeah, dead in the middle. I don't know. It's not. Like said, three, I've, guys. Said, I've said a few times. I'm not that big a horror fan, but when there's good horror, I think it's probably awesome. Like the Babadook and other oh, things. That's that, amazing. Yeah, the horror films. Uh, I haven't seen a Devil's Backbone. It's a massive blind side of my film repertoire. But you're not alone. Yeah. It's, yeah it's no, no one saw it. Yeah. But I think his. Yeah, I, I recommend things like the Babadook well above above this I think that's going to be my favourite horror film I've seen in, in quite a amazing favourite new horror film anyway and also there's t- type of horror films like The Guest which I wouldn't they're scary yeah it's it's funny The Guest we shouldn't get into that now let's talk yeah. I'll be, I'll be, <laughs> next time you're on guys we'll talk about The sure, Guest sure sure if that's it's on Netflix repeat viewing score I, I have repeat viewed it how does it stack up <laughs> would you repeat view it again well and how oh, often and no, when I, I mean no, no it's no need <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I'm trying to think, maybe if it was a Sunday afternoon and the only other thing on was horse racing and I was at home with my parents, I'd be like, yeah, I guess. I guess we could have this on, but put, otherwise... Put that in and out of five system. <laughs> <laughs> Score that out of five. Yeah, I'm going to give it a 1.8. 
Tom. You're infuriating. Um, <laughs> I am in a Five. similar area. Because I love watching films I've already seen with my girlfriends, especially when they're really good horror. We're both big horror fans. And so late at night, all the lights off, just a lamp in the background, and then watch something that will really scare you, which is fun. And this won't do that, but it will be a bit creepy. So I'm going to give it a two because I'm almost certainly going to rewatch it at some point soon with my girlfriend. I like that our scores means you enjoyed this film very slightly more than me. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're dead on slightly more than you. Yeah. I mean, I did repeat view it and I've, I, 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 don't, I really don't need to see it again. I mean, the first time it kind of made me jump a little bit. The second time I knew it was all coming and I didn't, didn't really learn anything new from it. I guess... A one? I, I mean, I, I know, I'd be interested to go and see the stage play, maybe. That would... But that doesn't count. That's yeah, that doesn't, Sit yeah. at the front. That's my top tip for <laughs> throw things on oh, stage God. play. Is that like it's, a roller coaster It's not thing. scary. Yeah. The, <laughs> the further back, back you okay. go, the less scary it is. Okay. Yeah, so one, sorry. I'm going to give it a one as well. I can't be... I don't think I'd be bothered. To be honest with you, to watch Fair it again. <laughs> too nice. Small screens. How, you, how well do you think it represents itself on the small screen? Do you think it would work better on a... On a big cinema? Probably. Yeah. In a packed cinema, you know, in the dark, it would probably really get you a bit better. Yeah. I think small screen, is it's a pretty diminished quantity. Mm. We watched it over croissants in yeah. mid-morning. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't petrified, I'll say that. But the croissants are very nice. So, <laughs> so <what>? five. <laughs> At one point, we paused so that you could talk to a man about your shower. Yes, my shower's broken. That's annoying. Well, this will come on to the next score, but save that one. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, fair enough. So, small screen score. Five being, it's fantastic for the small screen. Oh no, it's not fantastic. No, I'd I'd give it a two. I have a technical question about this. Does <laughs> does cost come into this? Because like, there's so many films where I have a different system to most people. Where most people go, you've got to see it on the big screen. It's got it's full of effects and it's very visually splendorous. Yeah. Whereas I go, it'll probably be rubbish though. If it's, is it if worth it's like a great pounds? big, but yeah. So I go like, well, I don't want to pay for that. Yeah. Cinema. <laughs> like, is that part of the decision? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this this is the, the category I guess it's most open for interpretation as yeah. to how you want to play I mean, it. So. Okay. Well, I'm going to factor that in then. Yeah. Just so you know. <laughs> what does that factor bring us? Two point five. <laughs> because as well, this is as Felix said, this is the perfect quite cozy not too gory or terrifying Sunday afternoon horror movie. Entry you level horror. Team. Yeah, entry level horror. I'd you go, it first. I think I'd go for Carry On Screaming if I went for Entry Level. Oh, <laughs> wow. Well, bit raunchy, isn't it? Helen. <laughs> for Sunday afternoon. Raunchy. I'm going to give it a three because I did see it at the cinema and apart from the brief snooze that I had at some point in the film, you know, it, I quite enjoyed it on the big screen and, you know, you're sitting next to someone and necessarily you might not jump, but they jump and then you both look at each other and... Ah, and it, it, it is... It has kind of worked like that, I think. Have a mini screen. <laughs> So yeah, three. Yeah, I think, and it, you know, it. We have mentioned that it does. It is, you know, there's a lot of cinematography to enjoy in there, mm. and it mm. it does work really well on the big screen. And on the computer screen, I just, you know, wasn't really feeling it this time around. I'm gonna give it a two point five because I can't think of either which way to play. Either way, it. you're <laughs> indif completely indifferent. Completely indif two yeah. two point five scores. You are indecisive about <laughs> this film. <laughs> I am pretty much. Engagement score. How engaged were you through the film? Did you feel you needed to? Well, we didn't know Stop what Dana Radcliffe's job was, so yeah. <laughs> so were you playing on Wikipedia? What is his job in this film? I, I I did have a quick synopsis check afterwards to work out why he was in this house. <laughs> but for the re I mean, the story isn't really about 
him selling the house. The story is unveiling what the story of the house is, and that happens quite slowly. Engagement with the actual film? Yeah, I was engaged. I'm going to give it a four. Tom? I'm going to give it a, a three, I guess, because if I were full, more engaged than that with the film, I'd find it more tragic and less entertaining that all these children were dead. I don't think I can put it any better than that. Oh, another dead kid. Oh, blimey. That's inventive. You know, like, it's not... You're not fully engaged. It did become a bit blasé, didn't it? When, oh, yeah, another kid died. It's also yeah. a film that... Can I spoil the ending? Yeah. yeah. It's a film that makes the sole happy event, like, the only time we feel uplifted, be the death of the main character and his son. And he's re- reunited with his dead wife. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I was sort of disappointed by that because I hoped that either the woman in white, you know, the, the dead bride, would just become the woman in black and steal them away to whatever horrible ghost land that they're going to now inhabit because presumably they're back off to the house now. Then Radcliffe and his son, they're off to that house to haunt it forever, surely, based on the logic of what we've seen. Well, well the, there is a sequel, which yeah, I'm sure non, none of us Which none we're of us watching now. Or... Yes. Is Dan Radcliffe in it as a ghost? No. No. I'd I love that if he was. That would at least tidy that up. Is he the woman in black in The Woman in Black too? <laughs> yes, he is. No, that would make me watch it. That the man, in, I'd the watch man it. in drag. <laughs> <laughs> Helen, what your engagement score? I mean, it's, it's kind of hard because I saw it at the cinema. I and had fell asleep. Less, and, and fell asleep. That's got to give it a low score straight Yeah, and then that. this time mm. round, you know, I, I, I was kind of faffing about on my phone and I didn't really pay that much attention to it. Because I at one, yeah. Oh, no, but that's unfair because obviously I was more engaged the first time round. But this is a score based on watching yeah. on Netflix, isn't it? Mm. I, yeah. Uh. One. I mean, it it doesn't really have an. It, I think the pace is too slow for for me to to, to have watched anyway. I think first time round on Netflix, you know, kind of you watched it sort of in the afternoon time. Either it wasn't that dark or anything. So um, yeah, one. Sorry. Why do you keep on apologising? Why do you keep on saying sorry? I, you know, because it's not a bad film. I don't think it's a bad film. No, it's not. Away, I know. I don't, think, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong about it. And I don't think it's made badly. And, you know, I didn't feel angry for it taking up my time. I just... I just, just weren't interested. Yeah. And that should be really, because it's, you know, it's a horror film. But, you know. I'm going to give it a two. I wasn't sure, like you guys, I wasn't sure what he was actually doing there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. I think... That means from the off, I wasn't really paying attention to what was going on there. So I think that's an indicting indictment of... Do you know what else as well, though, is is you don't really care about his dead wife. (laughs) From minute one, you go, she's just given circumstance. You don't know what she was like. Was she nice? What what was their relationship like? You've got no clue. You're just like, yeah, his wife's dead. Get on with the tragedy. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I don't really know what to say. Well, that, yeah. I mean, gen- generally, if it, you know, the credits were rolling and we were to give it star rating on um, Netflix, you know, I think we're looking at kind of a three star, which I'd say, you know, it's kind of a three star uh, film. It's a solid three. Solid it's three. three. Yeah. All three of those stars, I'd give it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. All right. 2.4 stars. <laughs> Guys, do you want to give us a lowdown of who you are and where you came from? And where we can find you yeah where we can find you the, the twitters and all these kind of places sure the Felix internet. is from Brussels so I am originally from Brussels yeah that's so smart. you can find me at Brussels <laughs> <laughs> I'm Felix Trench you can find me at Felix Trench that's the usual place <laughs> I'm not giving you my phone number go on no <laughs> 07 got it here. <laughs> it's 07 got it. fair enough well there you go you have a website I do have a website 
which is felixtrench.com. I mean, to be honest, if you put in Felix Trench, you'll get me. There's, there's only one. There's not a lot of us. You killed the other one, didn't you? You'll get me, or you'll get a particular line of trench coat, which is the Villa Felix trench coat. Amazing. The, the evil Felix trench coat. Are you a trench coat come to life in disguise? <laughs> Do you know? Because if I were a Velon Felix trench coat, I would call myself Felix Trench by chopping off the first and last bits of my name. Do you know what my parents have in their guest room? I can't wait to see where this goes. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> They've got a little hardback book of the book of trench coats. <laughs> you can just flick through and it's different trench coats. Well, I'm on Twitter. <laughs> I've got a very strange Twitter handle. Search Tom Crowley. It's the one that looks like Crowley. It's got three E's and a Y on the end because Tom Crowley was taken and I thought that would be the best idea. But you can find us both in Wooden Overcoats, the podcast sitcom, yes, which is it? on Stitcher, the iTunes store, any podcast network really. Which is great. And yep. And if you don't you. do podcasts on your phone, you can find us on woodenovercoats.com. Yes. We will put all the links to this in the, in the notes and everything. So oh, excellent. We will. Thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Thanks Cheers. a lot. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Well, guys, thank you very much from the Wooden Overcoats team and Felix and Tom, where we talked about Women in Black. Go and see them. Go and visit the show. It's a very good podcast. It's awesome. I re- highly recommend it. As we do all of our podcasting friends and family. Massive thank you, as always, to Tony and Jay and Greg and everyone who might be in the GL Productions team for the sweet editing skills that you've given us today. And, of course, Mighty People for the tunes you can hear right now and at the top end of the podcast course of always go and visit us on itunes go and subscribe to us on itunes review us on itunes and share us with your friends come and visit and visit us and join us on twitter which is at flixwatcher pod and online our website is flixwatcher.tv guys see you there bye